Maybe we could start and pray one Hail Mary and just ask Our Lady to be here with us. And when we pray this, let's just pray for each other. So whoever is sitting next to you, I want you to pray for the women or the man or the priest who is sitting next to you. Pray that they would hear what God wants them to hear today. And pray that my words would be the words you need to hear here at um, your church. So the Lord has a very um, good message for you today, I believe. Um, I believe he is calling us more than ever to take our place in his body and to fight, to fight for love. And it is a battle. Um, I'm sure many of you know just yesterday and today getting here was a battle. And that's a sign that something wonderful is going to happen. And it began with Holy Mass this morning. And um, it's just good to be here with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Victory, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'm going to start off this morning by reading the scripture to you from Psalm 68. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before fire, let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be joyful. Let them exult before God. Let them be jubilant with joy. And then this little part is further. Blessed be the Lord who bears, who daily bears us up. I just love that. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. Like, sometimes I have a hard time bearing with myself, right? <laughs> Let alone anybody else. <laughs> so that's what this is saying. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. Is this microphone going in and out? Yeah. Is it connected right? I'm not good at this. Let's see. Something's going on here. Blessed be the Lord who bears with this microphone. <laughs> I'm moving you this way. Okay. My. Am I causing the trouble? No, we just have you too close to the speaker, we think. Oh, I've been known smarter than me. I've been known to do this to cause trouble. Okay, very good. Try that. Okay, I think this is going to be better. Better? We got it. Okay, thank you, Jessica. Okay. (laughs) Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God, the Lord, belongs the escape. The longs the escape. And this escape is in every trial that we face. Blessed be the Lord our God who provides the escape. But we have to look for that escape daily as he bears us up. And does, does it make a difference to learn how to walk in his ways? 
full of dignity, full of truth, and full of light. It makes a big difference. And so today what we want to talk about is as women of God, being disciples of God and following Jesus as closely as the women followed him in the, in the New Testament. We are called to that type of discipleship. So recently there was a snowstorm <laughs> in Rochester, Minnesota, and I was um, there at a basketball tournament with my daughter and my husband, and we were not able to leave the hotel. Now, some people tried, and there was about 15 cars that were overnight enjoying the snow. <laughs> but our car was that one of them. And that was because when the police issued the command that they didn't want anybody getting out on the highway, we obeyed. <laughs> now, obedience is important if you want to live, <laughs> both in this life and in eternal life. I'm just going to tell you, it is. There's a lot of things I've struggled with, and Jesus has made it very clear. And hmm? And were you here when I created the heavens and the earth and the clouds and the moon and the sun? I just had somebody who told me he was really struggling with all the scandal and all the pain in the church, and he was so frustrated. He is a Catholic counselor here in the Twin Cities. And he said he's just so frustrated that this has bankrupt us and hurt us, and he sees so many clients who are so hurt and abused just in the secular world. And he said his attitude was very prideful, and he was ready to leave. And he said one day in the shower, Jesus told him, and who do you think you are? <laughs> he said literally, as he was getting ready to go to work, he was reprimanded. Like, you are not in control. You don't see the big picture. You don't understand everything that's going on. And if I haven't given up yet, then who do you think that you are to give up when I am he who is within you? We live as if we were orphans. We act daily as if we don't have a Father in Heaven who's looking after us and who is commanding everything, and who is going to bring everything together. Now, Catherine of Siena is one of my favorite saints, and I love to read the dialogues of Catherine of Siena, and she, it's, if you ever pick it up, get the St. Paul edition, because it's just easier to read. But Catherine of Siena got to go before the throne of God the Father and dialogue with him. And he told her many, many things. One of the things he told her is that when it comes to injuring or hurting little children or anyone else, are you following me, ladies? Mm -hmm. Okay. He said that he would command the ground to swallow them alive if it was not for his divine mercy that gives them a chance, the violent people who act this way, to repent while there's time. Now, I want to tell you something. Each and every human being is created by God, and each and every one of them is loved by God. And 
when they turn against their very nature and act like beasts and animals, he still loves them because he sees within them the capacity for truth and love. And so he bears with us all the good and the evil. However, he will take care of everything in the end. He promises, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Not yours. Not mine. He says, I, this is a true story. I'm going to get back to the snowstorm. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he, he, I had a girlfriend who moved out to, I think, North Dakota. It's so funny, you guys, because she wanted to be a nun because she wanted to save lots of souls, but she really was drawn to the vocation of marriage. So she asked Jesus if she could save as many souls married as a sister. And she said, he paused. <laughs> she ended up being called to live out in North Dakota in a great big, huge field. Her husband wants to, is making potatoes for Frito-Lay. Literally. They put holy water in their lines and they bless all the potatoes and they pray for all the people who eat the potato chips and they remove all the chemicals possible. So I'm doing a little flip here for Fidelay, but that's who one of the biggest buyers are. Is that funny? She told me when they moved into their field that their neighbors were in the occult. They were Satanists. And she was praying like, well, probably for her potatoes, but, <laughs> but she was just praying that they would leave. Like, who wants to live next to this? It was very, very difficult. They, they made it very, it clearly came out in the first two meetings that they were in this um, movement. And so anyway, the Lord corrected her, she said. I said, what did he say? He said, pray that they would be converted. And if they're not converted, that they would move, that they would be gone. As smoke, Psalm 68. I asked him, what do you want to tell these ladies today at Mass? And it was Psalm 68. As smoke is driven away, let them be driven away. And anyway, they were gone in a year. She prayed that prayer every day, that they would be converted or they would be gone. Oh, so... Here we go. Are you ready? We're going to start off and read a quote from, this is one of my favorite documents. It's completely taped up. And it's bad. Like it is. (laughs) When I read this document, I couldn't believe it's on the the, um, dignity and vocation of women. I couldn't believe that it was written, and I couldn't believe the Pope wrote it. And so this was in 1986, and this is from the Second Vatican Council. The hour is coming, in fact has come, when the vocation of women is being acknowledged in its fullness. The hour in which women acquire in the world an influence, an effect, and a power never yet achieved. That is why, at this moment, when the human race 
is undergoing so deep a transformation, women filled with the spirit of the gospel can do so much to aid humanity and not failing. And so what this means is that when God created us, God the Father created the world, and when he created man, and when he created woman, he created woman in his image and in his likeness. He created the man in his image and in his likeness. And he created them to work together to cultivate the earth. And when sin came into the garden, not only in the choice that Adam and Eve made to sin, to disobey God. That's what that story is about. You're like, are you kidding me? No, it's just all about disobedience. To disobey God. That their relationship with God, it was hurt, it was wounded, but also their relationship with each other. And what Christ did when he come back, and the second talk will be on Christ, this first talk this morning is on God the Father and his love. What the Father wanted in the beginning was such a strong unity between them that they were better together than they were apart. Okay? They were stronger together than they were separate. There was no, well, he can do this and she's good at this. There was no back and forth, back and forth. It was such a unity. And it was a unity of equality, of trust, of admiration, where they actually admired and looked up to each other because they could see God in each other. And that's what it meant to be made in the image and likeness of God. There was a union with God and a union with each other that was beautiful and strong. So when I was in this little snowstorm, all these poor men are trying to get to work. And many of the women were too. And they were stressed out. And they kept talking about what they were going to do, what they were going to do, what they were going to do, and how they could get out of this hotel. And I went back to my hotel room, and I jumped in my bed. <laughs> And I laid in the bed, I'll snuggle with a cup of hotel coffee <laughs> in my little pot. I'm like, Lord, what is going on here? He goes, they do not believe or acknowledge my supreme authority over this snowstorm. And I was like, I agree. <laughs> I was like, well, what, what do I need to do here? He said, prepare yourself. And I knew right away, God was going to work. Get ready. So I did my morning prayer. I prayed over. Because I had hung out with these people for a long time on my daughter's basketball team. And we were, we hung out a lot of games, right? Bouncing the balls. And, and so I just started like, well, how can we get together? You know, let's get some food. There was a little target nearby. Two men ventured out. Got some, they got us some food. We, we were able to open up like the the hotel was great to us. Let us eat anything. It's a snowstorm, you know. And we all went down to the pool. We're just sitting, and 
What happened was because we were getting together and hanging out in each other's room and just growing in friendship, I really wasn't doing other than when one man, he would like swear a lot, like really bad. I would kind of just say his name. <laughs> John, you know, I'll make one up. John, you know, and he'd be like, oh, oh so, so, you know. And then, and then, like before we would eat, I would like say, oh, let's all pray, you know, but I would pray. And I would just be myself, but they noticed that I wasn't stressed out. They noticed that I was like, should we go swimming? <laughs> they were noticing all this stuff. And what happened was, like down by the pool, one of the women and I were there with one of the little girls for a couple, you know how little ones want to go longer than everybody else. We kind of got stuck down there, so I just sat with her. I could have went back to my room and watched my own movie or got on my, right? Because this is how we are. We're thinking, oh, what am I going to do now? But that's what, but I was like, I was ready for whatever the Lord wanted to do. The Lord wants us to wake up in the morning and be like, Father in heaven, what do you have for me today? Father in heaven, what can I do for you today? And if we're more like that, he will open up opportunities for us. So she poured her heart out to me of how her friend in high school had been murdered. And how she had gone out and done the search and the rescue. And I have to tell you, I wondered what it was. Because I have sat at basketball games with her, and there's just this, she's beautiful. I just, I just really enjoy her. But I always kind of wondered what the burden was. And she obviously believes in God, but I don't know how much she practices. Does that make sense? Well, when she said this to me, after my friend was murdered, my whole outlook on life, well, it changed. <coughs> and so because I wasn't in, up in my room watching my movies, or punched in, I was sitting at the pool while her daughter swam, I was able to listen to her whole story. And as I listened to her story, I just listened. But when I got home, I called her up for coffee. This is what God wants. God loves his people in the midst of all of the evil. He loves us. Because love is eternal, and love is more powerful, the scriptures say, than even death. Love is more powerful than even death. And so, God the Father, who created each and every one of us, Each and every person here today, each and every person walking on the face of this planet today, each and every person who's ever been created, and everyone who is to come, just like the snowflakes, is a unique 
unrepeatable creation of the most holy trinity. And like Joanne is up here, I'm gonna pick on you just for a minute. Wait to everyone, Joanne. <laughs> Joanne, let me just stand up for a second. Come on up here. This, this is so important that we slow down and recognize this. Joanne, just Joanne, okay? <laughs> Joanne is more important to her Heavenly Father than the entire created universe. Than, than the oceans, the mountains, than every, all the gold, the silver, you, one little Joanne, <laughs> is more precious to your Heavenly Father than the entire created universe. And this is because she will never, ever, 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 ever be created again. Ever. <laughs> he, can't, he will never make her again. And her choice, her decision, to give herself back, your decision to give yourself back to your Heavenly Father in Jesus, that is your most high supreme calling. It's the, it's the most important thing that you will ever choose in your whole life. Why? Because that choice is life. That is life. So you're to infinity and beyond. <laughs> has to be made in that choice. And then you what? And it's the same Joanne that started here on planet Earth. I tell the youth that I work with, it's like you're a little nut. And a little nut grows into a huge maple tree. Amen? Amen. Okay, there you go. Okay, did she do good? <laughs> I was, Joanne, I was just in this book about um, in China they have this bamboo tree and they have to plant plant the seed and they have to water it for like three to four years and then it starts to grow but when it starts growing it grows 50 feet is that something? and I thought you know what that is really a good example of, of the image I'm trying to give you today. Your little life, no matter how old you are right now, is so small compared to eternity. And we're still kind of like these little, these little seeds that are in the earth. Literally, we are on the earth, right? But what we are growing up to <laughs> is supernatural, transcendent life. But it's still going to be us. It's just without all the, the pain and the suffering. Like this person that is inside of you, what you long for, the love you long for, and the peace you long for, and the joy you long for, that's your E.T. call home. Georgina, <laughs> call home. Boom, 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 boom. Because this God is right within us. He's not far from us. And, and the reason why it's so important that we understand our Father in heaven, that, that God is good. God 
good and he is good all the time. Always good. The reason why it's so important that we form our identity in him is because there's so many that have fallen. There's so many that have fallen. Because when the evil comes, instead of being there to help pick them up, there's not enough strong people to say, we will get through this. We will carry on. Because we are not alone. And we have to have faith in our Heavenly Father in order to live this message of hope, to be a message of hope. And the best people who can bring messages of hope are people who have been through it and know. Amen? Amen. Amen. When you have walked the narrow path and you have had to go on and go on and go on with this hope in our Heavenly Father, you are the best messenger. I remember my grandma when I was little. Any time she talked about the Lord, she always said, the good Lord, with a smile on her face. Always. And I remember one time her making me toast and jelly and pouring me a little cup of juice, and I asked her, Grandma, why do you call the good Lord good? And she got down, she smiled, she had rosy cheeks, and she said, because he is. <laughs> <laughs> and then I believed her. She's my grandma, right? And, and who would think that, who would think that now years later, her little granddaughter is reminding people my mission is to remind people that God is good. <laughs> it's, it's simple, but it sure sounds good. <laughs> um, I had this dream, and in the dream, this was a while back, there was three angels. Now, they look really rough. That's all I'm going to tell you. So at first I did, was it, I didn't like in my dream know they were angels. It's just that later I realized they were angels, okay? Three of them. And they were trying to teach me about heaven and eternal life, and they were really excited. And I kept going from one to the other like this, because they were really excited, and I couldn't grasp what they were trying to teach me. It was like about me. And finally one of them, looking a little frustrated, just said, listen, just remember this. Life is a calling. And I woke up. Life is a calling. And I just kept going, life is a calling. Life is a calling. And I wake up, life is a calling. And I was like, what does this mean? And as I prayed about it that morning, I said, Jesus, what are you trying to show me? And he's like, everybody lives for here. Your life itself is a calling to a better life. Everyone's so afraid of what this eternal life is going to be, but he's like, it's better. Now, I myself enjoy a nice glass of wine. <laughs> he's like, Gina, they're crushed grapes. <laughs> he goes, don't you think I can do better than that? And yet, it's interesting that he would refer 
referred to himself as the vine and the branches, you know, so he kind of knows us a little bit. You know what would attract us? And he says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Now I have a scripture from Isaiah that I want to read, you know, trying to see the time here. Um, am I doing okay? A few more minutes? Okay. Hear and hear, but do not understand. See and see, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people fat and their eyes heavy and shut their eyes lest they would turn to me and see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn to me and be healed. And what this is talking about is that it's not enough just to hear about God being good and hear about him in all of these teachings, we have to turn to him with our hearts and our, our, our eyes. And we have to ask him to heal us. We have to ask him to renew us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to a point and I say, all right, that's it. I can't take anything more. I'm done. I literally lay down at home.
There was a song, I was going through a trial, and there was this song going through my head. It just kept going through my head. It was like from high school. And it wasn't really a positive song, but I was kind of singing it. You have taken the best of me, my children. Come get the rest of me. Look, look, look what you've done. Did you know the song?
I remember taking the kids out to the Grand Canyon. If you go to the Grand Canyon, how many people have seen the Grand Canyon? It's so beautiful that you feel like you are, you feel like you're looking at a postcard. It's almost like this huge picture was dropped in because it's so beautiful that you can't even capture. And so God the Father can be seen in these most beautiful creative works. But even more beautiful than everything he created, as I told you before, is the human person. Is the human person. And then in God the Father's plan of salvation, Jesus Christ. Because it's God, me, man. Now we have to talk about something. Idolatry. Idolatry is a choice to fill our emptiness with something other than the truth God has in store for us. So what do we think about most of the time? Because, what did you say? Ourselves. Ourselves? And I would even go so far to say it's our suffering. How many people would say that? You know, just to say, because if something happens, I tend to think about it, think about it, think about it, right? Okay, so, idolatry is a choice to fill our emptiness with something other than the truth God has in store for us because it fails to provide. Every idol represents an unfulfilled promise that leaves us empty. So the human being is created to give themselves as a gift. We find ourselves, God in this best, Vatican II Council, the church in the modern world, taught that you find yourself by giving yourself as a gift. Okay? So when you get caught up in something that becomes a false idol because it's what you think about all the time, even though you don't mean to make it a false idol, the Father in Heaven wants you to know that you're doing that. So this is how he wants us to handle this. So I want everyone here, if you have pens and paper, I'll have you write it down. But I just want you, if you have a pen and a paper, I want you to write this down. Otherwise... You can just think about it in your head. But I want you to think about one thing this year, or if you want, this month, or today. <laughs> but one thing that you have thought about that has been very hard for you. One thing. And if you have more than one thing, you can do that too. Okay? I'm just going to give you a minute to do this. The quote I just read you is taken from Abba's heart, finding our way back to the Father's delight. It's a good one. Okay, does everybody have that written down? Okay. So, at Mass today, Father talked about how we can bring to the altar, to the scapegoat, Jesus. We can bring 
you know, everything to that altar. We can also bring all of our sufferings to that altar. And we can make the choice to act like Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He prayed, Father, take this away from me. But thy will be done. And he gave to the Father the suffering. Now, just in the nick of time to this group today, I was reading St. Therese yesterday, who is the little saint. And she's always bringing me along. And this is what she said. When God allows us to suffer something, whether it's small or big. And this is why it's so important to practice on the small things, because it prepares you to bigger things come along, right? Although I think a lot of people are good when something big comes along. Going to God and surrendering because they're like, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they're like, I can't handle this, so of course I'm going to go to God. But on little things as well, she said, then God had shown St. Therese that when she gave the little things or the big things of her sufferings, that he would use it to soften the hearts of sinners and he would save them. He would save them. So that one day in heaven you will see how all of these things that hurt you, all of he used to save your children, to save the members of this parish, to save the town of New Brighton, <laughs> to save the state of Minnesota, and to save even the whole world. If we knew the love that our Father has for us, we would do anything for him. He's not asking that of us. He's just asking us for one day at a time. However, if you have some luggage that you've carried around for a few years, something that you have had a hard time, maybe it was a failed marriage, maybe it was the death of a child, Maybe it was the betrayal of a friend. It doesn't matter. Those types of situations go against the dignity of the human person. That's why we suffer so much. We are made to give our lives as a gift, and we are made to be received as a gift. And so when anything offends our dignity, or when a child falls from a balcony, when children take their lives, suicide. I don't know how many of you went to the unplanned. I was not planning on going because <laughs> it's so hard to carry this burden for all these years and pray and pray and pray. My dad was a pro-life doctor and did everything he could to help his patients, everything. 
and us children grew up praying for people and doing everything we could to help mothers and fathers to be able to raise their children and to teach your little children and to see their little faces just fall. Why would anybody take the life of a child? Right? This is suffering. And so when we go to Mass, we can put all of this suffering on the Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, who bears us up. Every day he bears this world up because he is still working to bring souls into the kingdom. It is a secret operation. <laughs> and it is secretly happening every second of the day. Angels and saints, God, the Holy Spirit, everyone is working together. Bring them home, bring them in, one at a time. Get that one going, bring that one in. Jam! Behave! We got a mission here. That's what God's doing all the time. It's a secret operation. And we're a part of it. I was reading this one saint book that talked about how our saints, God sends our saints to help us because they're our brothers and sisters in the faith. Like we're his family. And when a saint gets to heaven, they, they you know, get their wings in a sense. I don't really know why. <laughs> but they are allowed to, to intercede and to help the church on earth. And we don't understand that earth and heaven, there's a veil between us. But think about what a veil is. You know if you ever come to one of those cabins and they put those little curtains up, they're like, really? <laughs> I need more than this. I want a door at least, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, there's only a curtain between heaven and earth. So it's very thin. And um, this one saint was talking about how, I think it was Padre Pio, I was um, reading about how this was given to them, that they're like, you, we're all around you and we want to help you, but you never ask. It's like you're sleepwalking. And we're right here waiting ask because part of their privilege of being members of the body of Christ is that now they are able to help us on earth. That's part of their privilege. Isn't that interesting? So when I found out about that, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start calling on my confirmation saint and who are my other saints. And then I always think about those saints that no one knows about, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got to be bored. <laughs> so I'm like, use a little help here and it's really fun because like you can in your prayer time like you can make your if you this is what God's like to you would you please tell them I'm a big God and could they up their prayers a little <laughs> so like what I started to do is when I'm praying for my son because I'm praying for my sons to meet really good wives okay they both have discerned that they're called to marriage but they haven't been able to meet anyone yet and so anyway, so when I'm praying for my two sons to find really good wives, I pray for every mother on the face of the earth who is praying for their sons and daughters to what? Find good marriage partners. And God's like, okay, that's better. You know? Home run. <laughs> because he's a big God, and he chooses to operate on earth through us. 
I was, I was in a theology class, and this priest was teaching us this, and he, he was doing it really positive like this, and then he said, and each and every one of you is going to give an account of yourself. I took my hands out, like, <laughs> he said, the more you know, the more you are responsible. And then he comes up to me and goes, get your hands out of your ears. <laughs> Heavy. He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, what's inside of you is lit. The eternal life is within us, and it's lit. That's how those saints could do all those crazy things. Because they it was it was for us impossible, but for God, nothing is impossible. You will do greater things than I have done, is what Jesus said. Victory in Jesus. A victory achieved in a certain sense through the greatest sin that man could commit. The killing of Jesus, the Son of God. When the Father sent Jesus into the world, it was to bring his children back. It was to bring his children back. And it was his mission. And he participated in that mission wholly with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When the Trinity acts, it always acts together. Take your place. Do we not find at the Annunciation at Nazareth? Do we not find at the Annunciation at Nazareth the beginning of that definitive answer which God himself attempts to calm the hearts of his people? What Pope John Paul II was teaching here was that at the Annunciation, when God sends Angel Gabriel to Mary to ask her if she would be the mother of God, that this is a definitive answer where God is calming the hearts of his people and saying, I am God and I have a beautiful plan. Don't be afraid. And literally, Angel Gabriel said that to Mary. Do not be afraid. The Holy Father went on to teach that if God reveals, God Most High reveals the dignity of every person in the sending of this baby, how much through Mary's yes does he reveal the dignity and the calling of women? 
because at the Annunciation, he's sending the Savior, yes, who will save us from death. But he is also showing us the meaning of what it means to be a woman and the meaning of what it means to be a man. Because the man, Jesus Christ, could not come into the world without the woman. And that brings us to the beginning, the unity of the two, their equality, their dignity, and the love that care should always and every time be present for the woman and I believe Christ came to show and for the man. It's for both. Christ revealed the dignity of the man by becoming a man and by being the perfect bridegroom who lays down his life for the church, the bride. And in that sense, every human being is bride. And what John Paul went on to teach in this document, chapter 7 of this document, I did a whole retreat date on chapter 7 in Iowa two weeks ago. It's deep because it's a mystery. Was that each human being is created for a desire for spousal love. And God has shown himself to be capable of loving each one of us with that kind of love. It's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. And so a lot of people think, oh, I've never been married. Or, oh, I was married and it didn't go so well. Or, oh, my spouse is no longer with me. Or, oh. And they think it's all over. And God is like, oh, no. Best is yet to come because it's me. <laughs> and we think, God is going to love me the way that I have always desired and wanted to be loved. And God is saying, I'm already loving you that way. But it's through the veil. It's through the darkness of faith, but it's a thin veil. And so as we approach our Heavenly Father through the Holy Scriptures and through the sacraments, and despite all the trials and the temptations that make us think, oh, is this worth it? Is my life worth it? That was the second thing he gave for me to give to you. First was what? Psalm 68. Smoke. Smoke. He just wants you to know so much of the trouble in the world is what? Smoke. It gets blown out of perspective. Like yesterday. I tried to get to a meeting. And I'm trying to get something else done. And I get a call from my school that my daughter's skirt is too short. 
like, I am not kidding you, ladies. I told her every morning. I said, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be called Pull Your Skirt Down. <laughs> so of all days, I'm literally trying to find this, this restaurant that I'm meeting somebody with. And I didn't want to be late. And I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. I got this too short skirt. <laughs> and somebody else wasn't in from another. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I said, I feel like I'm climbing the mountain today. And it's like, oh, I got that retreat tomorrow. Smoke. <laughs> and then my poor daughter comes out of school. And he said, <laughs> she goes, Mom, two inches. It's two inches. That is not a big deal. I said, my dear darling, they already allow four inches above the knee. Another two inches is scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> you see, these kids don't understand it. I said, some of the schools, it's two inches below the knee. That's what a chick probably would be, gee. <laughs> she said, you know. So, this is the question, is it? Worth it. My calling. Because in Isaiah it says, I have called you by name. And you are mine. And God wants you to think about it. If he's worth it to you. Because he believed that you were worth it for him to bear with you and to bear with me. He believes in us. And he's calling us more than ever as women in the church to rise up and to take our place. And it has to happen with the women sitting next to you. I took a group of teens out of pilgrimage last summer. And the first night we were sleeping at uh, a Catholic church at Big Gym. We are in the gym, and our theme was, I have called you by name, and you are mine. And I was in the chapel praying about, Lord, how can we bring these walls down? Because they come from all over. And it's so hard to grow up. Everybody wants friends so bad. They're so hard on each other. There's so many issues. So I'm in the chapel praying away. And I get this idea. So I thought, okay, I'll try it. So we're in the gym and I have them get in a huge circle in the gym. And I know young people hate to stand up and say their name in front of the group. But I, I started and I said we're going to have every person is going to stand up and say their name. And then when they're done, everybody else is going to say their name back. Okay. So they're like, what's that? What's that? And I told me, calm down, let's get close. So I started up. So I Gina Bauer. And they all say, Gina Bauer. And I'm like, they're like, you know. Okay, so then they started going. And some of these kids would go to get up and they would, oh, just to get up. And they'd say their name like, Fred White. <laughs> 
Like I said, Fred, say your name. Fred White. And then all the kids would just whoosh, Fred White. And you watch it just go from this to like, you know? <laughs> and so we did the whole group of 100. Every leader, every kid, we went around and they said their names. And the, the change in their names, to, to call, be called by your name. Now think about how many times do we say, oh, can you say your name? So Joanne, stand up and say your name. <laughs> Joanne. 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 London. Okay, now what do you do right away? <laughs> but instead, you stand up and say your name. Joanne London. Everybody say your name. Joanne London. <laughs> that America, we might have lots of money and food, but we don't have enough love because no one is speaking names and acknowledging persons. And so, and it's even getting harder with all the technology, which we'll talk about in the next talk. Right? No speaking at all. No speaking Dutch at all. Okay? So, I have called you by name, and you are mine. And God calls each one of us by name. And he knows who we are. And he wants us to not be afraid to draw closer to him so that he can teach us how to walk in his ways. Now, some of us are already walking in his ways. But we're just not that happy. <laughs> and I think what he wants to do is he wants to bring us to a place of this, of joy, of really eternal joy that's based on love, not on stuff, not on getting stuff, or having more technology, or having more pleasure. Because as this said, anything that fills us up that's a false idol. Eventually, it just gets old. How many people would agree with that? Yes. There, and you get to a place where you're like, there has to be more. And that's where God's like, there is. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and he's very confident that we will find our life in him. Because he created us to find our life, our joy, our peace in him. So what he's asking us to do is to give up whatever is blocking us. Just give it up. And is it work to give it up? It is work. But I think oftentimes, like let's say we have to give up anxiety or worry or fear. Or how many people would say not feeling like you're good enough? Not feeling like you're strong enough. Not feeling like you're... Well, the truth is, it's because we're not. We're not. Like, I had to tell my daughters one day, I just got a clue here in honeys. They're like, yeah, Mom? I said, I'm not God. And they first all laughed, and they're like, we know that. <laughs> I said, then quit treating me that way. 
by constantly demanding from me so much? What can you do to help the family out? Because that's how God made us as a family. Everybody has gifts and talents. Find out what your gift and talent is and then share it. But what gifts and talents you don't have, quit beating yourself up for it. Just, just don't beat yourself up. If you have a hard time hearing, okay, pray for people who do not hear the message of God's love. <laughs> and maybe that way your gift will open the ears of somebody who is in danger. Does that make sense? Use what you have and don't focus on what you don't have. Because God also told Catherine of Siena, he only, he gave gifts to everyone, but he never gave anyone all the gifts. Even Jesus Christ came to the earth, had a mission, fulfilled it, and left. He could have just fixed everything. But God wanted to be glorified in the fact that we would need each other. And then we would work together like the Trinity to glorify God. And that God would be glorified in the way that we helped each other out. I just kind of want to end, I, I got, I'm going to end this session with this little story. There was a priest who was in a subway walking. And he had a mugger come up to him. And the mugger wanted all of his money. And the Franciscan priest, you who knew who he was, this is why this is so important. If you know that you are a son or a daughter of God, you remember the story of the prodigal son? What does the father put back on his hand? A ring. The ring is about being a son or a daughter. And when you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, you share in the authority of your Heavenly Father. Your world, where you work, where you live, where you breathe, you are taken back from your Heavenly Father one mother at a time. Okay? This is why it's so important that our feet are solid in our identity. You know, when Mary said yes, she took her place next to Christ who is the Son of God and she became a daughter of God in her yes. He suffered, yes. She suffered, yes. And Mary said to us, take your place, love, suffer, and bring home. So anyway, what happens in the subway is this Franciscan priest looks and he says, I'm Franciscan. You're supposed to give me your money. <laughs> and the mother was not happy. And the mother said, Father, I'm not kidding. And he put him down on the gown and he put the gun right to his chest. And the mother said, he whispered this prayer, Mother, what should I do now? And he looked up at the mugger, and he said, don't you know that we are brothers in Christ? When your identity is rooted in the Lord, you can treat other people and remind them who they are 
And the mother looks at him, he shakes his head, he takes the gun, he pulls it away, and he starts to walk away. Now most people would just be what? <laughs> Not this guy. The little Franciscan priest says, hey, you, wait a minute. The mother turns around and looks at him like, I am the mother. <laughs> he reaches into his pocket, the same pocket that the gun was sticking in, and he pulls out a miraculous medal. He takes the medal and he turns to the mother and he says, you have a mother in heaven who just stopped you from committing a very serious sin, namely killing me. She is waiting for you. It is time for you to come home to her son, Jesus Christ. The mother takes the medal, he kisses it, and he walks away. Amen? Okay, everybody, take a little break. <laughs> Thank you for taping.